I've got the confidence knowing that I've done the hard work to deliver the product or deliver the service. So that's me. That's probably as a a cancer in me. You know, I'm I'm not overly, I wouldn't say I'm the most confident, flamboyant type of person, but in what I know, 100% I'm confident. I know I can fix your body. I know I can make you feel better. And I know that I'm going to help you. And I utterly believe that down to my core. I'm Alison Rice and welcome to Offline, the podcast. Honest conversations about true self with the people behind the Instagram accounts and the teachers who help us on our way. This episode is produced in partnership with Estee Lauder and it's an evolution of our Self-Care Sundays mini-series. I sit down with some of the brand's inspiring ambassadors and friends to have an honest conversation about life on the other side of the filter and this season to explore their relationship with the word confidence. If you already adore following women like Eleanor Pendleton, Nadia Fairfax and Pip Edwards, Estee Lauder and I hope you enjoy getting to know them on a deeper level. My next guest is a fitness founder, conscious leader and a nurturing Cancerian who is wholly invested in helping other women to feel confident. Kirsten King founded Fluid Ford Pilates in 2012 and today she leads two busy Sydney studios and a thriving home program. Now, I'll be the first to admit I thought Pilates was just another exercise, something to help me feel strong, look toned, and perhaps even prepare my body to carry a child. But as with most things, it's much more than that. On an energetic level, Kirsten and her team help their clients move into their feminine to find their softness and their grace. And on a physical and mental level, they help their clients move through body trauma, dysmorphia, anxiety, and depression. Pilates is a healing method. Here's the wonderful Kirsten and I for this special Self-Care Sundays episode in partnership with Estee Lauder. I wanted to start with um, something that's kind of unlikely, which we briefly just spoke about before we started recording, Pilates and mental health. Yeah, it's and massive. I guess yeah, how prevalent that is actually now that people are isolated and they're not coming into studio. Can we talk a little bit about that and sort of what have you observed, particularly f- for women coming into the studio? Like, what has Pilates become to them? I think it becomes at the end of the journey. It becomes their new medication. Um, but at the beginning of the journey, they come here usually through the help of family or friends because some people are that broken that they can't see past leaving their apartment and we get that a lot with the sort of social phobias and so a daughter will bring a mum, a husband will bring a wife and they come in to the studio just looking for another safe haven and I think Pilates is seen as a form of movement that is supportive and at times can be slow and it has such a distinctive mind-body connection that the transformation internally 
comes through moving the body externally. So they come in and we just begin a journey together. And it's something that I feel really strongly about. You know, you, you don't want to have to live taking medication forever if you if you can, you know, if you have that choice. So, you know, clients like that, I love all my clients, but clients like that for me are what make my job, you know, really worthwhile. Because it's an interesting thing, like you say, you know, I say Pilates and it feels like just something you do to feel, I know, stronger, right? right? But ultimately for a lot of women, you know, we want to look good, we want to look toned. And so as we were talking about that before we started recording, I thought, wow, like I actually had never really thought about how much it actually, what it helps women move through. Hmm. You know, certainly. And um, when you're talking about social phobia and people bringing people in, yeah, like that really resonates for me because there's a couple of people in my life where you can't, I want to do that for them as well. And so you've actually given me a lot to think about in terms of like what else could I do to help? Yeah, I think postnatally I see it a lot as well. Um, new mums duck at home with babies. They come to mums and bubs. And then all of a sudden we're a place where most of us have had children, do have children, are struggling with children, and so we can relate. Um, but, yeah, it, it, it's everyone. I have, I've had many a husband ring me up and say, you don't know what you've done for me. I've got my wife back. And that's pretty Whoa. amazing. Yeah. That, that Pilates does that. And that's yeah. like a grown man, you know, just saying, I don't know where she was. You've brought her back. I can't thank you enough. Mm. So, so I guess it's one of those um, exercises or practices where we have to be so in tune to where every muscle and what we're doing that we almost don't have time to think about anything else. It's like it requires you to be so internal yeah, in a way. And is that a bit of a revelation for a lot of women? Because I feel like the work that I certainly hope to put out or that I am putting out is all about experiencing ourselves more internally. And um, that can be quite polarizing for a lot of women who haven't sort of um, had that relationship with themselves before. Yeah. it. I mean, yeah, it's really interesting. It's it's so complex. The Pilates and the studio and the journey that people go on and, you know, they have to feel, firstly, the client needs to feel really comfortable in order to allow you to touch them, correct them and connect with them. They then have to once they have that confidence, they then feel comfortable enough to look internally, which for some of them makes them feel quite vulnerable. And they need to realise what it is that they're feeling. And it's, and it's not uncommon for people midway through an exercise just to have tears rolling down their face. And this is males and females alike. And sometimes that's just a blockage that was waiting to happen and it happens and they don't know why. And then you see them get up at the end of the class and embrace you when you could, when there was no social distancing and just say, oh my God, I just feel so much better. And you watch them walk down the stairs and then you see them walk up the stairs the next time they come. And it's like a new person has, you know, been, has birthed and here they are. And it, you know, it, it's that connection with Pilates where it's that continuous flow of movement 
and it's an hour in your day where you're you're forced to obviously rest a lot of elements of your mind and you get to reconnect and just move in a way you haven't moved before. Mm. The touch thing's a big thing as well. The hands-on correction. Yeah, right. Well, tell us about that in terms of like people or women particularly not, or maybe actually even men who yeah. don't often have that more soft touch on their bodies. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, well, at, at the end of the day, everyone wants to be touched in some way. There's an element of physical contact which brings comfort, which brings confidence, which uh, brings endorphins rushing, all, all sorts of reasons. And for a lot of people, there isn't enough touch in their life. And that might be because they've recently lost a loved one. They've had a relationship breakdown. They may not have had anyone. Um, Children might've moved out of home. Children have grown up. And so they come into this safe environment where they're moving and they're feeling great and you're able to correct them. And there's, there's a large percentage of clients that come for that physical connection and correction in their body because they're not getting it at home um, and it just feels that that sense of self. Oh, gosh, this is so much, way more expanding actually than I think I've ever given it credit for because it has helped me feel strong in my body and feel confident in my body, but I haven't really thought deeply about the people who have lacked um touch and connection. And I wonder if we can talk a bit about, you know, as a teacher, Mm -hmm. there's quite a lot to hold. And I'm sure there's a lot of people who come in that are experiencing things that, you know, you're not a therapist, right? How, what sort of work do you do to prepare yourself to be able to hold space for that kind of vulnerability? Yeah, it's it's a great question. Um, I drove myself to my doctor about 18 months ago because I thought I was actually having, well, I thought I was something was really, I was really sick and I thought I was having a breakdown and I just, I didn't even, and instead of going home one afternoon, I went straight to the doctor and I walked in and I didn't have an appointment and I said, I, I don't know what's wrong with me, but I need to see a doctor now. And I left an hour later had a long consultation. I remember so vividly the doctor walking out to a receptionist and saying, please push my next client back. And at that time I was taking on too much. I had a lot of clients who were going through a lot. And I was recently a new mum of my own third, third little girl. I'd come back to work at nine weeks. I was looking after all of my clients, plus trying to be a great mum, a great wife, a great businesswoman, and it just all got too much. So since then, I've, um, I did a meditation course in Bondi and it was amazing for me because I, you know, I tend to work hard and, you know, I'm always looking for more probably when I don't need to. So meditation has really helped me. And I, there's a, there's a healer that I see that I met at, um, Eden, the health retreat. Oh yeah. And I've, I've just learned, you know, I'm, I'm reading more and I, and I've been given some practices and I just feel like after I sort of came close, 
you know, I, essentially I had a breakdown come close. I, you know, I was broken. I needed help. I needed a rest. The doctor prescribed for me on um, the prescription one weekend away on your own, take a book, take your music, take a bottle of wine. And she gave it to me and she said, go home and give this to your husband. Oh, how good. Yeah. So the permission slip. Yeah. Yeah. The permission slip. So, I mean, I'm learning how to deal with it still. And I think I was born and built to do what I do and to help people. I really do. Because as much as that was hard at that period of time, I was broken for a moment, but I probably helped 30 people. So if I was broken for a moment, but I got to help 30 people, I'm okay now. Mm -hmm. You know, I see it as um, just an act that, and, and I love doing it. And I can see when people are broken and I can tell what they need both physically in their body and Pilates allows me to help them mm-hmm. and take them on a journey of finding their true self again and building confidence within them. Mm-hmm. That's, why, that's why I love it. You're like the perfect guest, guest for my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, it's like a podcast that truly exists to help women, I mean all people, but particularly women, explore the essence of who they are. And so I value you sharing so honestly because mm-hmm. I think even admitting that it's happened, that we've had a bit of a breakdown. Oh. And I even try and soften that then, right, a bit of a breakdown. Oh, even I say it. Right. <laughs> but I did. But it's like, but I had a breakdown. Yeah. You know, even admitting because why do we hold shame or try and like minimize that a little bit to say, but I'm okay. I mean, I had a bit of a breakdown, but I'm okay. Yeah. Really the hardest thing is kind of sitting in that and going, well, that happened and then and I, I guess this is a question for you, which I still explore for myself. Why do we overextend? Like, is that just innately female of us to be so in that sort of like feminine and nurture that we can't see the boundary? Do you think? Yeah, I do. I do. We're not, not all females are like this though. Yeah, true. Definitely the the more feminine in touch with who they are, M- more mother nurturer. Um, I'm a cancer, so. Oh, my God, me too. I, <laughs> I can actually tell that about you. But I was like, don't make this about star signs again, Alison. <laughs> so I am that hard exterior, soft internal that usually not most people get to know because I'm too busy being hard. Um, I've been likened to like the tin man before from my family. <laughs> and... With that becomes a mother, protector, nurturer. Some some of my best clients and friends within the studio are 70 plus years of age and I look after them, you know, three, four times a week. Um, but I think, yeah, it's the feminine in us. It's and I'm a I'm a supporter. I am I'm so happy to see people succeed and do well and help them on that journey. Um, so in order for that to happen, you have to make sure they're okay first mm-hmm. and not just okay physically, okay emotionally, mentally, physically. Mm. And with Pilates, that has allowed me to to do that with people, to connect all those things together, mm-hmm. give them that sense of self, that confidence and look after them. Um, one of your, you know, I guess we could call her one of your more high-profile clients is Pip Edwards and yeah. um, 
I interviewed her for the first time, I think it was in season one or two, can't remember, it's a bit of a blur now, and she credited you with um, helping her land in her body and sit in her feminine and and it was really interesting that she described how sort of you as a teacher and also, you know, this um, beautiful studio that you have and this business that you have and what it stands for, how that helped her be inside her business differently as well. Mm. And that's the interesting thing, isn't it? It's when we, when we are actually, and I talk about it a lot as well, as like sometimes our soul hasn't quite landed in our body as well and there's that real disconnect between our essence and actually how we present ourselves to the world. But when we have a unification of those things, yes, it happens here in the studio, but then it travels into our marriages, it travels into our businesses. Have you found that that's been, I know she's like probably a more um, public you know, example of that. But have you found that to be quite common with a lot of the women that you teach? Yeah, it, yeah, 100%. I mean, I, I sometimes say if I could write a little book of, you know, the the secrets of fluid form, the things that... What are they? You're going to tell us now? (laughs) (laughs) It would be a top seller. (laughs) (laughs) The things that I am trusted with and that people tell me and I guess then, you know, you you get to know so much about a person and you think about where else in your life do you come for three hours a week and have this intimate connection with someone who genuinely cares about you and has your best interests at heart. So there's, you know, no bullshit, you know, mm-hmm. it's just there's someone there who's waiting for you with open arms, who's going to move your body in a way that makes you feel incredible, who challenges your mind and stabilises your emotions. It's it's pretty incredible that you continuously, yeah. week in, week out, spend three hours with that person. So it's just, it's almost natural that this person then becomes part of your life outside of the studio. Mm-hmm. I, I can walk down the road and I'll see, you know, a client and they'll say, oh, Kirsten, hi, come meet my husband. And he'll go, hi, Kirsten, I know everything about you. We talk about you every night at dinner. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, no, we talk about you in the studio too. Nice to meet you. But Pilates becomes people's life. It's mm. It starts off as an exercise or something that they need to rehab their body. Fix their posture. Fix their posture. Pelvic floor, yeah. And it becomes a non-negotiable lifestyle choice mm-hmm. and they just come. And, and that's why what's happening right now ha, ha, is so extremely difficult on a lot of people. Mm. Well, let's talk about that a little bit. Um, tell us about the ways that you've adapted, but also then how do you hold that for people when you can't be with them in person? Yeah. Yeah. Well, we... Equipment-wise, we've hired all our equipment out in both our studios to give clients who needed it that connection point, that physical connection point with the studio. And then I would say every other client has signed up to Fluid Form at Home, which is my online Pilates program. And we launched that about 12 months ago. So it was already up and going um, there's a great library of workouts there and people just feel like that they're at home with me. 
So I already had that going, which was, you know, just so beautiful for my clients. And then those that needed it, we got the equipment out to them. So I'm very lucky that I've been able to stay part of their life at the moment. I've been doing some live workouts, um, been doing some virtual classes, try and keep posting some pictures on Instagram and just to give them that point of contact. And that's interesting, right, because it's actually really valuable to know that the adaptation and the innovation is coming from a place of service. I think one of the things I found quite troubling about this time is, um, you know, as you kind of look out on social media, it's seems to me, it's just my observation, but a bit of an inability to differentiate between stillness and boredom. Mm. What's your experience been of sort of watching what's going on maybe from like the screen a bit? Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Look, some days I struggle to post, you know, what what are you going to post about? You know, it's day whatever, it's this, it's that. Everyone's fighting a similar fight, most of us. Um, It's been... The other thing is, you know, people almost taking advantage of the situation just is just something that I don't, you know, I don't get, I don't understand. It makes me feel really uncomfortable. Um, But, you know, it's tough and you're just trying to connect when you can and when you feel okay. And I feel like there's no pressure. I mean, I initially stayed open a day or two longer because I got approval from the health minister because we have a a certain insurance policy, Pilates was a grey area, and they said that I could remain open as long as my insurance would cover me, and it did. But for the majority of Pilates studios out there, they fell under another association which had different insurance to me. And so I was almost put under the spotlight because I was still open, but in the end I decided to shut down just to keep the peace and let everyone mm, continue to move on and have a fair playing ground. I didn't necessarily have to, but I just decided it was the best thing to do at the time. And when I had to announce on social media that I was closing, I, ju- I cried all day on mm. that day. And my girls were with me and they said, Mummy, what's wrong? Have you got hay fever? And I said, I've got hay fever. But I literally felt like I'd lost a child. Yeah. You'd put, you know, eight years of your life into this business where I've sacrificed my girls to make sure that my business succeeded at times, you know, Mm. the juggle of that. And then I had to close it down. Mm. So you just had to shut yourself off from it all at some point. Mm. But then I had to remind myself that there's all these people out there that I do care for and that need Pilates and need movement and need that connection Mm -hmm. to get through this time. So you almost have a corporate responsibility, public responsibility to help them. And I and I don't, you know, I take that role as a public figure, you know, r- really, really, you know, strongly and I just, that's what I've signed up to do. That's what mm. you've got to do. Mm. You just can't leave them. It was at this point that I wanted to talk to Kirsten about confidence Something fluid form and Pilates as a practice helps women to feel. This episode is produced in partnership with Estee Lauder, and it's an evolution of our Self-Care Sundays mini-series. In season three and four, we explored the relationship between success, sleep, and the health and age of our skin, 
In this season, we're doubling down on confidence and celebrating Estee's Double Wear Foundation, a product that allows us to wear confidence and feel empowered to take on the day. But on a more introspective level, we're also exploring what confidence means to women. How do we get more of it? And what does having it help us to achieve? I asked Kirsten this very question. So confidence for me comes from hard work, knowing your stuff. Uh, and that that's probably always been me. Um, I've always been a hard worker. I am a perfectionist. I'm a clean freak. I've got all those terrible (laughs) dot points under my name, which tend to, you know, probably make me crazy from time to time um, or make my husband crazy. So I'm confident because I've, I've done the hard work. So I hear there that there's a link between like confidence and conviction, like yeah, the yeah. hard work gives you conviction, which gives you confidence. Hundred yeah. percent, yeah. And I think it's the com- I've got the confidence knowing that I've done the hard work to deliver the product or deliver the service. Um, so that's that's me. That's probably as a, a a cancer in me. You know, I'm I'm not overly. I wouldn't say I'm the most confident, flamboyant type of person, but in what I know. I'm confident. I know Mm. I can fix your body. I know I can make you feel better and I know that I'm going to help you. Mm. And I utterly believe that down to my core. And so that gives me confidence to run a business, to put myself on the global stage and launch an online platform 12 months ago. You know, I had to be vulnerable for a moment there to jump into that and to come and to speak to people and people give me their life you know, their body, their life, uh, and on their money. And their ultimately money. Ultimately as yeah, well. Yeah, their money. And that and that gives you confidence too that people believe in you. Mm. Um but for me it's about being just doing the work, being strong in bu- in my own body and mind and having a great support network around you. I don't think you can ever have confidence unless you've got a few elements under you. Mm-hmm. To to build you up. Who were those people for you, do you think? For me, oh, definitely my husband, yeah, and my girls. You know, they're probably my biggest cheerleaders. Um, my staff, you know, I always have great staff. I have staff that are better instructors than I am and, you know, they laugh when I tell them that. Pick clients laugh and it's true. You know, I employ great girls and guys and I allow them into my life so that they can help me and I can help them and we have a very open sort of relationship within the studio. Mm. Um, And then I I have, you know, my mum and dad aren't here, neither is my sister. She's in Perth, mum and dad are on the Gold Coast. So, you know, your family becomes the people that work for you, my, you know, my clients and my clients and my friends, you know, naturally over the years. Um, yeah, so it's that team. It's it's lots of things, and it's not necessarily always people either. Mm. You, it's that it's things for me. 
it's the studio, it's knowing that, you know, I have got resources around me that might be books and learnings and your mind's always opened. Um, so, yeah, th- there's lots of things. It's interesting you bring that up. Like I remember when I was leading big teams and this is the cancer in us, right, like mm-hmm. it's so hard to crack this shell. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Once you've cracked it, I'm like yours, <laughs> right, forever. But then like one it could be a small betrayal and I, it's like you never met me. Mm, see you later. And so as a leader and at the biggest I was leading nearly 30 women under 30, right, so there was a lot going on a lot of the time and I found it really difficult to establish really authentic working relationships that still had boundaries in place. Mm. And I'd had some bad experiences when I let people in too close and then there was betrayal there and so have you felt like that's challenging in a lot of ways to like really let like truly let them in because there's an element of vulnerability there that towards the end of the last job I was in there was really only one person in my team that was kind of my my person you know my right hand and we're still really close now and I reflect back on that time and I think did I give everyone a fair shot at kind of sitting in the seat that she was in my life but at the same time I'm human You know what I mean? Mm. And I didn't want to expose myself again emotionally the way I had before. Yeah, I would. Look, I've been burnt too. Don't worry. I've been burnt believing, trusting, letting people in too much and then off they go. Um, It's your gut instinct. Mm. It's there, isn't it? Oh, it's there. It's there. And I think mine's got better as I've become a mum. Like I can, I can sense something and with people, I can sense it with people. Mm. So I think over time I've got, I've got 21 staff that work across the two studios. Wow. So there's, there's a, you know, quite a few there. Um, Yeah, that the boundaries line, I think it doesn't matter how good you are with the boundaries and letting people in. I think it's just you everyone's going to get burned at some point. Mm. And it's how you deal with that that yeah. I think is the most important thing. Mm-hmm. And like how I've been exploring this lately, how relevant is this experience to my own evolution? And so yeah. in many ways, you know, there's a thousand different ways to learn the same lesson, mm. but the way we're learning it is relevant to us and the way we have to learn it. I think particularly as... um type A cancerians, as we've established we are, Yeah, I've often found that it has to be quite painful for me to truly learn. So I don't learn softly. Mm-mm. I tend to be at the bottom of the bottom in the dark place, in the hurt for me to go, oh. Yeah. <laughs> Do you find that's the same? Yeah. For you, it takes you at the extremity of it? The times that I have been burnt, I've been really like it's hurt my heart. Mm. I'm like, really? Mm. I did all of that and that's how I've been repaid? Like, really? And then I'm like, oh. Okay, how do we grow from this? Yeah. <laughs> and and then it's like, okay. First wine. Yeah, <laughs> first wine. Um, second wine. Um, so I think, yeah, it's it's such an interesting topic. And then you you move on and you've got to move on because if you don't, they win. Yeah. And you move on and they usually burnt you for a reason, probably because you were better at something or they wanted something that you had. There's always a reason there. Mm. Um, 
but yeah, I just tend to learn from it, move on. And it's at the end of the day, it's not, you know, if, if you're happy and healthy and your loved ones are, um, you pick your battles. It's quite often a battle you don't want to waste your energy on. Yeah. How much of my awareness am I going to put on this person or this situation? And that takes a lot of, um, knowing yourself quite intimately to know when and how to actually draw the line and say no more because my experience being an emotional person or like living through my emotions yeah. is um, it's really hard for me not to live that way so and not to be taken yeah, yeah. mentally and physically mm-hmm. and emotionally with the situation. Um, so if we're talking about confidence, I guess the opposite thing to confidence would be, or what comes through for me is, you know, fear, lack of confidence. Mm -hmm. I'd like to talk about that through the lens of launching a business. Mm -hmm. So if I have my numbers right, you opened Fluid Form in 2012. Mm -hmm. What, what were you scared of then? Like talk about those early days and what were the fears that you had to overcome? I think it's, it's that, that first time round. it's that belief and that confidence that, everyone will have that experience that you want them to have. Um, that That's for me what it was. So what did I do? I just taught every single class. <laughs> you know, what, <laughs> that, what's the easy solution? Um, and then with that I then, you know, brought there was more staff and more training and I had to build my confidence in others. There's that trust thing. So so when something's yours and, you know, I liken it to my girls. We, we live in Sydney, um, no family. The thought of leaving my babies with a random babysitter or nanny, good God, that was enough to mm. no way would I do it. I, I had to build trust and confidence in people around me to then allow that to happen. And that was the same with my business. So I just worked and made sure that everything was as I wanted it to be and then brought in team around me to learn, you know, learn and watch me do it. And it's interesting that journey has created the studio as it is today. So when you come to Fluid Form, it's very much a teaching and learning environment. So you might be teaching someone over there, I'm teaching my group over here, and I'll notice that your client might need some help and the position they're in isn't quite right and I can see that you're struggling to solve that issue. And so my philosophy within the studio is is that I will come over, I will help you as my um, staff and I'll help the client as well. And both staff and clients know that's how I operate. Mm. So even though you might not have me as your direct teacher, I'm always there watching. Mm Mm-hmm. So my, my staff are always learning, which is amazing. The client gets access to me and to their great instructor. And that's how our studios work. And mm. I think that's why they, they provide that safe haven and that place where people come back to time and time again and have that transformation. Mm. It's a beautiful philosophy because I think for anyone listening who is um, – the person in their business, the face of their business, everyone wants you, you know what I mean? Oh. Like people want to be trained by you certainly and I'm sure, you know, they would ask for that a lot. So it's quite a nice philosophy and I think that is leading is like any time we have, 
we see an opportunity to coach in the moment and we can model that for our teams and model that for clients as well. Like I think part of what comes up for me is, you know, what we've been programmed to believe as women leading businesses and senior women inside businesses is that can be seen as some sort of micromanagement or control. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so there's a lot of work for us to do as a collective to put some space between those stereotypes and actually the deeper work that we're doing and how even for you and what I'm learning just sitting with you for already 30 minutes is because you're so um, energetically and emotionally in touch, it comes from this place of like inner wisdom and source knowledge. It doesn't come from this like, oh, let me get my hands in there and you're doing it wrong. And I think that's valuable for women, particularly women leading businesses to hear is, you know, I spent a good portion of my leadership career trying not to be that manager or that leader who's got their hands in all of the different pies, but actually my team started to succeed more when I did step in and say, hey, like I love the way you've, you know, given that a shot and here's what I've learned. Let me show you what's worked for me in the past. Mm. And then then you go and model. So I value that you share that because it helps us move out of that however we're kind of the archetype of like, Yes, yeah, yeah, the hierarchy within, yeah, definitely. There's no, I mean, there's no real hierarchy within fluid form. We all get paid the same. We all do the same job and we're here as a team. And I'll troubleshoot with the girls sometimes about a client that, you know, potentially I've been looking at their body and there's just one thing that I know is not right and why can't I undo that? And it'll just be a simple question to one of the other girls to tell them and they'll go, oh, remember this? And I'll go, got it. So likewise it happens, you know, back and forth. But, yeah, leading in the moment actually is really efficient for a business too. True. You know, there's no – we do have extra training days um, and there are extra chats outside of the teaching hours but – when it's done on the spot, it's done in a nurturing, supportive way mm-hmm. and everyone learns. Which is the benefit. Um, something's just come up for me when you were talking about kind of like looking at someone's body and knowing like it's just not quite right. What is it? <laughs> um, I'm not going to ask you about me because I feel like you haven't had long enough to like stare at my beautiful figure. <laughs> <laughs> um, what do you see mainly in women? Like what? where do we... Um, What's my question? Like how does how does our lifestyle show up in our physicality? Yeah. Is it our hunched shoulders and our yeah. Yeah. I can tell where what exercise you're doing. Yeah. Can I, you tell I'm doing none? <laughs> <laughs> um so people will walk in and I just look I look at them and I think, Oh, you're doing too much of this and you're doing too much of that and you're doing too much of this. And but I can't deliver it like that. It's a journey because you have to trust me before you're actually going to listen to me. So my brain just goes like 100 miles an hour when I see a client for the first time. I say to them, I'm looking at you, but I'm looking through you. Please don't like look at my facial expressions or please don't worry. I'll I'll tell you what I see in a minute. And I can sort of like scan the body and go, oh, too much of that there. We'll need to do that. Oh, they've never activated before in their life. Oh, look at those feet, right? That do, do, do. And I just go. And I, I can just do it from years of practice. Um, and even my husband says when we walk down the road, I do it to people that we're <laughs> passing. And he says, lift your eyes up. 
And I'm like, I'm just, look at their posture. They need to do this, this and this. And he's like, no, 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 no. It looks like you just look them up and down and you're judging them. And I'm like, but I'm not, I want to help them. And he's like, oh, I want to give them my business card. (laughs) Call me. Um, But for women, you can tell straight away what they don't love about themselves. And there's no reason why we shouldn't love everything about ourselves. And almost someone telling you that so see how your hip see how your hips are tight and you and you you carry your weight here that's because of this and they look at you and they go really feel very seen I'm sure really and I'm like yeah and they're like I hate that area and I'm like I know I know but it doesn't it's because of this it's not because of you it's because of this structure in your body or this tightness in a muscle and all of a sudden it's like there's this release and this opening and they're like, so it's not my fault. And it's, mm. You know, you see it and it's like, no, it's not your fault. Let's do this. And, oh, you know, they have a little pot belly under their belly button. You know, they've got beautiful bodies. It's an area they hate. It's very common for women. It's usually because of tight hips, not activating opposing muscles. And you say to them, oh, does this happen sometimes? Is that struggle? And they're like, yes. You're like, okay, well, if we do this and this, that'll fix that. And they're like, I've hated that for like years. And this can go away. And this can go away. And you're like, of course it can. And and as females, we are so hard on ourselves oh for no God. reason. Like we are all beautiful and beauty is not, you know, when we finally realise that beauty is not on the outside, that it's on the inside, it will be, you know, the world will be a better place. Mm. And when you can help someone make them feel that little bit more confident or or blame themselves le- less. less. And that's what I see with females that come up the stairs. You know, what's your job? What are you doing? You're doing this wrong. Or they hold all the tension in their neck mm. and they – but everything that someone does not like about themselves is so visible within the first, like, 30 minutes of moving together. Wow. That's yeah. so powerful. It's like, you know – I sometimes feel underwhelming when I, like in my coaching sessions, I do Wednesday coaching, one-on-one kind of career coaching, I guess. Sometimes it turns into life coaching. I'm like, I'm definitely not a life coach, but (laughs) it all kind of goes together, doesn't it, in a way? Yeah, of course it does. Um, But yeah, it's an interesting thing because when you try and sort of explain that if you begin to experience yourself more internally and you begin to love that part of you, then it will express itself externally. But sometimes I can feel really underwhelming in the moment because you don't want to be the person that says, listen, you've probably got to meditate. You like you don't yeah, I know. want yeah. to be that person. But ultimately I, I'm continuing to learn that it all comes back to this self-work you know, but how interesting that you can almost see people's um, or you can see a woman's um, vulnerabilities and insecurities. You can see tragedy too. That's another area that's really, really like can be confronting. What Is do you, you mean by that? Well, people that may have suffered abuse sexually, physically, the minute you start to work with them, it's very evident. You know, their bodies, they shy away from certain movements. Their bodies are locked. And, you know, over time when there's trust and you go on that journey, it, it comes out and and that is that is really common. Mm. God, that's sad. Yeah. But so our, our body is has the answer to everything. Mm. 
It really does. And if our body can move freely and we can have confidence in it, um, and that won't happen until internally, you know, it's this transformation we're all looking for and we're seeking to look better on the outside. I can tell you now. I know. We've got to start on the inside. Got to get quiet. <laughs> yeah. Um, I have a few more questions for you. So you've got um, three beautiful kids. I do. Um, have you been surprised in, and this is a really amazing selfish question for me now because, um, you know, we've been on our own journey to trying to have a baby for a little while and, like, I just know, I think deeply what type of mother I'm going to be and, like, cancerian mums, mm-hmm. you know. I'd like to think we come into our own. <laughs> you <laughs> do. Um, but what have you been surprised by the way you've shown up in the role of mum? Have I? Yeah, I think I've always been a mum. Always been a mum. Yeah, my I love being a mum. I'd have more children. My husband's not so keen. He wants the our time back. He says we don't have enough time together, which. We don't in terms of, you know, where we started, but yeah. for now, you know, the girls are amazing and I love them and being able to influence um, a little human's life and then you look over at the person that you love and you think we actually made that <laughs> human, like look at them. And I've, well, we've got three little girls and they're all so different and it's just for me there's no greater satisfaction than helping them Mm. and watching them grow and love them and then watching them love and, and learn and teach and then teach others what you've taught them. My eldest is eight, about to be nine. And she is like, just like me, the spit. Um, Really? Yeah. My mum says it just says it's like watching you again as a little girl. And I tell I teach her things and then I see her word for word teaching her little sisters the same thing. And it's just, you know, that that's oh. amazing. Yeah. I so, can't yeah, imagine. Being a mum, it's it's hard. It's so hard. But I don't I love it. Mm. I really love it. And I think um yeah, there's I, I think cancers are always meant to be mums. Mm. I really think we are. We're just natural carers, you know. So yeah, it's been. I think I'm. I think I'm proud of who I am as a mum. That's nice. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think I am. Yeah, yeah. And I resonate with that. I think even my years leading, there was a lot of nurture in that for me. And and I've been through an interesting time lately. Um, I read this book called Spirit Babies, which my friend Juliet recommended to me, and it was profound actually. And I've always, because I've always led women and I've got this incredible community of women, I'm like, well, of course I'm going to have girls, like, duh. (laughs) And through the process of reading this book, part of what it explores is our attachment to um, different genders and how we sort of preconceive ourselves as parents Mm -hmm. and that sometimes, you know, and this starts to stretch into sort of more of what I believe spiritually, but we can kind of block those spirits coming through if they maybe are coming through as a boy for us. Oh, really? Yeah. And so I've been doing a lot of my own self-work around, um, you know, really opening myself up and welcoming in a boy because I've honestly, if you've known me even 20 years ago, I've always said that I want a girl, I want to have girls. Yeah. 
And so how much of that, I don't know, some part of me feels like I, and the losses that I've had, you know, my mum and I joke and I'm like, oh, it's probably a smelly boy anyway, don't worry about it. And I'm like, the poor boy, like imagine if it, he was trying to come through <laughs> and I'm like, absolutely not. So it's been actually so nice to sort of start visualising what that could look like outside of gender as well. Yeah. But did you have any sort of attachment to girls or boys? Well, my husband is an ex-NRL player, so I guess when you marry a footballer, there's always that... <laughs> You're having a boy. Um, I've got to have the football team. No. Yeah, yeah. And then they all, I mean, I don't know. I think we thought Charlie was a boy. Charlie's a girl. Um, And then Harper was just enormous in my belly. Really? Enormous. And still is. She's just a bigger girl. She's tall. Kingy's 6'5", so she's going to be a big, you know, a tall girl. And so we, we were sure... Harper was a boy. But I think at the end of the day, like, yeah, you would like, I'd love to see what I would be like as a mother of a boy, Mm. like loving being a mum. I would love that challenge. And, but I think, I don't know, everyone, everyone's different. Some people are obsessed in genders. I think for us, you know, I, I had a couple of losses along the way too. And I think, yeah, you're, when you get your little baby, it, it doesn't really matter. Oh, Th- yeah. They're healthy. Um, I don't think we, I mean, he might think differently. He calls our house the house of vaginas. <laughs> <laughs> so he's like, oh, God. Um, so Because I think Tony, my husband, would uh, really thrive with a house of girls. Do you know what? Yeah. Guys love girls. Mm. I mean, you know, Kingy at the moment, it's, you know, isolation time. So the girls have created beauty salons of the world in our house. <laughs> and cute. there's a massage station, there's a fingernail station, there's a hair station. And he just moves from station to station all day getting pampered. Who wouldn't want it? Um, oh, but it. then he plays football with them in the backyard. Yeah. So it is, um, yeah, I don't think we... I think definitely we thought Charlie was a boy and she wasn't. And then because of how big I carried with Harper, definitely. But no, we we never really knew or felt or, and yeah. we never found out. So all, th- all three um, pregnancies never found out. But see, this is interesting for me to learn about you because part of my type A, I'm like, well, I'll probably need to find out. And I've wondered for myself, like, is there any um, role in connecting to the baby when, you know, you know what it is? But then the more I move through that, I'm the more I'm like, well, what is gender anyway? So, like, it doesn't yeah. really change. Yeah, so it's interesting. I found, I found pregnancy quite stressful. So first, um, my first pregnancy, I had a miscarriage at 11 weeks. Oh, it's just late. Yeah. And at that point in time, you feel like you're never going to have another baby. Like it's just the worst thing in the world. And so then with your second, you end up, I, I was quite nervous being pregnant. So you're always looking for that sign that you got the first time that then you found out what had happened. And then there's tests and Charlie actually was born. When she was born, they told us, she was born in Manchester and they told us that she was Down syndrome because of a, 
the placement of her toes and her eyes seemed quite close set together and she had a little heart murmur and her ears were lower than all these like physical. Wow. Yes, no, she had a few of them. There's a high um, likelihood that she's Down syndrome. And so we went through that in the first 10 days of that pregnancy. So then, or after she was born, sorry. So then when I fell pregnant with Willow, you then have that, you know, there's so much worry. So I think for me with finding out, I just wanted to have a healthy baby. And I think the pregnancy can be very stressful. And I don't think many people talk about how stressful it can be and for lots of different reasons. But there's so many, you know, you've got to do this test and that test and, you know, are you eating this? Are you not? Oh are God, you exercise? On. You know, there's mm. so much to it. So, And then you have these people who just say, oh, just relax. It's like, oh, fuck off. <laughs> and that's right. Everyone has a different story. Mm. So the whole gender thing for me, it was just something I just didn't need. Mm. And I wanted that surprise at the end. Yeah. And my mum never found out either. And I felt like that was some sort of like connection with her to have. That's nice. Yeah. Yeah, my mum didn't actually either with all four of us. That's well, an interesting ask thing. ask your mum. I don't know if you know this, but um, my mum only had scans with my sister, things yeah, like that. Yeah, so my mum was saying because she immigrated from the UK, I feel like she didn't have a scan with my brother until like 20 weeks or something yeah. crazy, you know what I mean? Like now we're sort of like scanning at six weeks and seven weeks mm-hmm. and then through to 10. Um, it was like yeah. you went and did the wee test and I was like, are oh, you pregnant? Exactly. <laughs> that and was then it. done. Yeah. And even when you think about like their lifestyles, like they were sitting in pubs, people were smoking, mm. like a lot of, you know, kids in our generation, their parents drank. And yeah, you it's, think it's crazy because like we're all great and healthy and thriving and fine. And like, do we just know too much now? I think is part of what's yeah, complex it's about too much. It. It's too stressful too. Mm. I think the st- stress is poison. Yes. And the less stress you can have, yeah, I've been thinking about that. I think the better off Mm. we are in all aspects of our life. Yeah, yeah, that's the big thing, isn't it? Yeah, and I'm glad you um you raised it because I think for women who have lost babies, every time you fall pregnant, you don't actually think you're going to have that baby. Mm -mm. It totally changes the experience of like, okay, I'm just going to prepare myself to see the blood when I wipe. Mm-hmm. Because that's what I've become mm-hmm. accustomed to know happens. It's, you're like petrified every time you go to the toilet. Exactly. And it's like you wipe and there's nothing there and you're like, oh, amazing. Okay. I know. Pregnant another day, you know, but for people who, and I, I, um, I think again, it's about the relevancy of our experiences. So I've been sitting a lot with like, this is relevant for me. So for mm-hmm. me to go through this, it's relevant to my evolution for the people who fall first or second time and, have that beautiful sort of easier experience. That's what's relevant for them, but Mm. their lessons come in different ways in different times of their life. So I'm moving now way more into acceptance, but um, it's also been a lot of reconciling like, oh, this is my story. Wow. Okay. This is my story, you know? So, um, but I don't think we talk a lot about it. I stopped talking about it because the podcast became so public and then I, I started to wonder whether I wanted that in public forum and was yeah. that fair to my husband and my family and myself ultimately. But then, you know, I've sat with that a little bit as well and I'm okay. And so the best thing that I can do in service to other women, and you've done it today as well, is talk about it. 
Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it's sometimes it's right, sometimes it's wrong. It's just, yeah, I think there's a time and a place for it, definitely. Exactly. Yeah, instead of just like, and here's my lost story. <laughs> yeah, which some people do, don't they? It's like oh, they do. wearing a Skippy badge and you're like, come on, not the right time. I've been pretty triggered by that actually on Instagram um, and you just got to mute or unfollow and go, yeah. okay, like, again, there's a relevancy for you. Um, but it's triggering for me. So we're here talking about um, confidence and one of the through ways that I'm talking about that is with um, Estee Lauder's Double Wear. Mm-hmm. Do you know your shade? Because there's like 62. <laughs> it took me a little while to find mine. But I'm ivory beige. I think I'm ivory beige yeah, too, my cancer friend. <laughs> <laughs> so we're samesies. Um, well, I think I've just about run out of time with you. <laughs> I ask... Um, each of my guests the same question at the end of every episode and we've done a lot of this exploration today in sort of exploring true self and what it means to have that connection to our essence. So when you take away all of the labels and fluid form and being this founder and being this kind of, you know, quite public figure now, um, when you're sitting in your true self and all of that's packed away in a box, who are you and what comes up for you when I ask that question? Um, I'm Kirsten. (laughs) I'm a mum of three beautiful girls. I'm a lover of being at home and being with my family. We're the same person. (laughs) (laughs) Is that Being at home with my family. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, thank you for being on my podcast, Socially Distanced, no less. Thanks for having me. I'm glad we could do it in person, actually. Yeah, it was great. It's good timing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Offline. Visit getoffline.co to explore more episodes, the online courses I've created to help you succeed consciously, and upcoming community events. Follow getoffline.co on Instagram and me. My handle is Alison Larson Rice. Lastly, if you know someone who would benefit from hearing these honest conversations, please share offline with them.